Welcome to Syndicated Thursday on HPR. Today we present 10 Book Review. Alright everyone, and welcome to Ten Buck Review. I'm one of your hosts today. I am Lord Drakenblut, the Digital Dragon, and with me today I have... Dragon's Angel. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for inviting. Now, we've done four episodes so far, and this is the first time you're showing up, so why don't you introduce yourself to everyone so they've got a clue who you are. Well, there's interesting clues about me. I am Lord Drakenblut. Like, call it best friend, possible future one. We have... I don't know if you're best a, friend? I thought you oh, were my fiancé. When did I get degraded? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Folks, please help me. The first day I have her on this show, and already somehow I've been degraded from... Don't be degraded. Fiancé oh. to friend. Oh, I'm oh. in trouble, people. Great trouble it is. I know you sleep oh, at night. Oh, it's so much fun to be in that trouble. Oh, no, I know where you sleep at night. <laughs> and I know where you sleep. But before we have the uh, audience completely thinking, um, you know, yeah. horrible, horrible, or wonderful thoughts, depending on who it is, today we're back with another movie, and this time we're going sci-fi again. 28 Days Later, which we talked about last episode, was also considered sci-fi. But this one is much more sci-fi than that. This time we have Ser- Serenity? 2005 Serenity by Joss Whedon. Yeah. Now for, you know, Joss Whedon, the thing most people are going to know him for right off are three TV series. Firefly, Angel, and Buffy. And of course, Angel is a spinoff of Buffy. He's just a vampire trying to kill everyone. <laughs> Yep. It's a vampire trying to kill other vampires. How lovely, isn't it? Exactly. Now, today we're going to start off with uh, just describing the box art, and we'll let Dragon's Angel do that one. Yes, it's a more color-oriented than thou. Okay, to start off, we have experienced the ultimate action adventure. It's a white, um, white letters over this kind of metallic ocean blue. Now, first off, 
I'm getting really tired of people trying to hype up their own fucking movies. Just do me a favor, put the name of the fucking movie on it and a nice cover art. Don't tell me it is the biggest, baddest thing to rampage across the world since Godzilla. Okay? (laughs) Ain't nothing badder than Godzilla that rampage across the face of this planet. Alright, but anyways... Has another little, uh, you know, as he was saying, a little praise mark there. You see a woman on the, a woman on the front with holding a ball, a blue orby ball thing. I don't think it's so much she's holding, holding it, it looks, that she's well, right she's, behind it. Well, she's right behind it. She could be holding it. There's her arm there. It goes that way. Well, the serenity is written across the front in the middle of it, across the blue ball. Below, we have two more characters at the bottom. One pointing what looks like to be a gun or a fire flame thing, the same one as the other. A gun. Gun and the other one's not here. No, same gun. Let's see. Back. You just get a, three screenshots of the entire thing. You get your basic description. This and movie is rated PG-13. Yeah. Now, why don't you read the description for people who aren't aware yeah. of this movie? Okay. For Serenity. Okay. A passenger with deadly secret. Six rebels on the run. An assassin in pursuit where the retrograde... Crew of Serenity. <laughs> is the it's Prince a little small for yeah, you? Yeah, I'm not wearing my glasses All today. Right. The Prince a little small. All right, so I'll start over for everyone. One thing it says it's an absolute blast. Again, stop trying to hype the movie for me. If I didn't have it in my hand, I probably wouldn't give a shit. So just, you know, stop trying to praise your own movie and just let the movie stand on its own merits. A passenger with a deadly secret, six rebels on the run, an assassin in pursuit, when the renegade crew of Serenity agrees to hide a fugitive on their ship. They find themselves in an action-packed battle between the relentless military might of a totalitarian regime that will destroy anything, and for you folks out there listening, no, this is not George Bush they're hiding from, (laughs) or anyone, to get the girl back and the bloodthirsty creatures who roam the uncharted areas of space. But the greatest danger of all may be on their ship. From the mind of Joss Whedon, TV's Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and they leave out Firefly for some reason, comes a new edge-of-your-seat adventure loaded with explosive battles, gripping special effects, and fantastic new worlds. Again, you know, the description's alright. They overblow it some, but, you know, what can you do? Now, bonus features, you know, over 20 minutes of deleted scenes and outtakes, Josh Whedon introduction, relighting the Firefly, the story of how a television show gained enough of a cult following to become a major feature film, and feature commentary with writer-director Josh Whedon and much more. First off, I've got to say, go blow it out your ass. Because 20 minutes of deleted scenes and outtakes is not a fucking special feature. We have gone over this time and time again at this point, and you'll probably hear me rant about it some more. (laughs) Deleted scenes and outtakes are not a special feature by now. If you don't have these, you're not a DVD. You might as well just put it on VHS. But, relighting the Firefly, that to me sounds like a special feature. To, you know, sit down and find out how a show that Fox screwed up its run by running it originally out of sequence to where it only ran part of the episodes before they stopped it. 
got enough of a cult audience and a cult following that they were able to make this movie, able to justify making this movie, and Buffy and Angel have yet to touch the big screen, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Too much hype there when I was a fifth grade about Buffy and Angel. There's too much hype there. Yep. Now, one this thing I'll say about the case is it has the stupid little snap tabs. Can you just cut them off? I could, but I don't like destroying my stuff like that. Good Some point. people will cut them off. I don't because it's just... And inside, on the DVD Ooh, itself, pretty. we'll let Dragon's okay. Angel describe this. Picture a blue light that's coming out in a straight column and then just white, white in the middle of it. And then it like, just also fades out to the same blue. It's like... Kind of crystal in a sense, how it looks. It's the title Serenity's on top is a universal. All that little stuff doesn't okay. quite. Oh, it's a no brainer, but hey, I thought it was something pointed in. Mm. Now, it does, as she started to say a minute ago, it has English, French uh, languages in 5.1, and it has subtitles in English, Spanish, and French. And it's the anamorphic 2.351, which, if I remember right from the last movie we did, this will not fill up a 16 by 9 widescreen TV. You will be left with bars at the top of the bottom. And it has a 1 hour and 59 minute runtime. You know, we're talking 60 seconds short of 2 hours. Couldn't you have had someone scratch their ass, like... Three times in the movie for 20 <laughs> seconds to get that two-hour point. But, you know, that's just whatever. Yeah, true. Now on to the cast. You know, the cast of this movie, they work very well together in this. But we've, you know, we went out, we did a little searching, and we found some information out. And first we'll start with Nathan Fillion, who plays a character named Mal. And a little searching into what he's done on IMDb is he was on Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog as a character named Captain Hammer. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this was actually a project done by Seth Green. And it had a pretty good following. He was also a voice actor in Halo 3 as the Sergeants. Now, I don't know if he was all the Sergeants or what, but for all you Halo fanboys, you know, the worst shooter in history. It's not that bad of a first-person shooter. The first no, one was no. decent. It's, it's a good first-person shooter only on a console. You take it off a console, and it is a mediocre shooter. But how many people play Halo for a computer instead of playing it for a console? And how many people can't recognize a good game and have just bought into the hype? But anyway, we're... That would be a completely different show. We'll leave that one over to C4 and Kobar at uh, Gamer. Next thing was White Noise 2. Now, I've never seen this one, but he, if I'm not mistaken, he was actually the star for that one. And the first one didn't do so well. Of course, he was in Firefly. But before that, th something I found interesting was... He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer for five episodes. And he did that kind of right in the middle of Firefly. Because Firefly, the TV show, was 2002 to 2003. He was in Buffy in 2003. 
So right in the middle, right at the end of Firefly, he was showing up in Buffy also, showing that Whedon liked the guy and worked with him more. Now, this one surprised me, actually. He was in the movie Dracula 2000 as Father David, which I did not know that one of the titles for it was Wes Craven Presents Dracula 2000, but that's pointless. Now, something other people will care about is he was in the movie Saving Private Ryan, and this was a very good movie by all accounts. I haven't quite got around to watching it yet. But he was in there as Private James Frederick Minnesota Ryan. And now we'll go on to Gina Torres playing a character named Zoe, and we'll turn this over to Dragon's Angel. Alrighty. Gina Torres and Zoe. She, that's who she played in the film. We have, she's also in Matrix and Online. She's the voice of Niobe. Now, this I find interesting because most of the time when you have a character who is in both a movie and a video game, the same actor who does the voice or is the character in the movie isn't the voice for the game. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first times I've ever seen where you know you have a character in both movie and video game that the actor from the movie is not the voice for their own character in the video game. Well, did you also know Leia was supposed to be a Niobe um, before that plane crash, Leia? After the Queen of the Damned shooting, she went, yeah. Yeah, but if we want to go on that track, Jada Pinkett Smith had originally auditioned for the role of Trinity and got turned down. True. Um, we have the Matrix Revolutions as Cass. Since it's in the IMAX experience, we have Matrix... Matrix Reloaded, Cass. Um, Angel. Which she was in five episodes yeah. in 2003. Showing again that Whedon likes to work with some of the same people if he brought her. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to Revolutions and Reloaded on the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Cass, this is kind of a bit character in some respects in that movie. That this is Link's wife's sister. Long, long, long way track, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. But, all right. And now we're on to Alan Tudyk. I'm guessing. I do not know how to pronounce his name. He plays a character named Wash. Now, he was also a voice in Halo 3. So, he was one of the Marines. Now, I gotta wonder, whoever was doing the ca- voice casting for this, if they sat down and just liked the way those two worked in Serenity, and that's why they both got picked up for this at the same time, with Fillion playing the commander and Walsh playing, you know, and Alan Tudyk playing, you know, someone reporting to him. So, it's just interesting. Now, he was in Ice Age 2, some people will care, as a char- as the voice for a character named Choli. He was in the video game and the movie. Now, this one I also didn't realize. He was in the movie I, Robot as uh, Sonny. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Sonny might have been the main robot that the movie focuses on. So, basically, he's in there as a voice. He was in Dodgeball, a true underdog story. I've never bothered to watch that movie, but he was in it. Heard it was... uh... Her dodgeball itself was more one of those video one of those movies. If you are under the age of fourteen, between like twelve and fourteen, you just want to watch something utterly stupid. 
with lots and lots of vulgarity in it you can get away with, and your parents don't care, that's a movie to watch. <laughs> yep. Now, he was also in A Knight's Tale. Some people will know this was the movie that Heath, that Heath Ledger was also in. Moving on. <laughs> Ice Age, he was also in. Now, he wasn't in Ice Age, the original, as the same voice. I find this interesting that, you know, maybe they just liked him working with him well enough that they brought him back for Ice Age 2 to play a different character. And now on to Marina Basarin. She played a character named Inara in this movie. And the only thing we found of any real interest other than she's got a decent list of TV stuff, but nothing that popped out to me or Dragon's Angel is she was in uh, Stargate The Ark of Truth. Now, this was a movie that was a straight-to-DVD release, as far as I know. And now we're on to Adam Baldwin, who plays Jane. Alrighty. He also, in other movies, he's in Half-Life 2, Episode 2. That was a video game. He was a voice actor for that one, mm. and unconfirmed at that. It does say, yeah, it does say unconfirmed, though. It's his voice. With Halo 3, who is also voiced, he's in the Marines... So, once again, I'm really wondering if whoever did this just liked the way those guys worked together, it, and mm-hmm. does that make sense to you? They probably did. I mean, it, it would make sense. Why not bring good thing, a good system rather than having to break a new one? Like a math class. Every teacher feels like they have to teach math a brand new way. Why bother trying to do that and try and keep it up? We have Superman Doomsday, the voice of Clark Kent slash Superman. We have Invader Zim, one of my favorite shows to watch whenever I can get a hold of it. Um, he's in first episode in 2006. The fry cook who that came from all outer space is just... That is off, off of Food Corda. There's a clip there, and this is him. But um, Angel, Marcus Hamilton, five, and, five episodes. Now, this comes in 2004, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a year after the end of the... Run of Firefly. Yeah. Mhm. We also have Independence Day with Major Michelle or Major Mitchell, <laughs> A.K.A. ID Four. Yep. Uh, A lot of people know that movie. Mhm. Yeah, Predator Two now, from nineteen ninety. He was Garber. Now, Predator Two. For some people, will think we're talking about Alien versus Predator Two. No, we're talking about the original Predator 2 that starred Danny Glover in the main role. We have, uh-huh. we have Full Metal Jacket. Ooh, yeah, yeah. A lot uh, of people know this movie. Yes, yes, I've seen this movie. It's good. It's the Animal Mother, and a.k.a. Stanley Cumbrick's Full Metal Jacket. Yep. Now we move on to Jewel Stath as Kaylee. And we'll just go ahead and throw Sean Marr in here as well, who plays a character named Simon. As far as we found and can tell, neither of these two actors really do much past TV. Now, which brings up, if these people are mostly TV actors, why are they in the movie? Simple enough. This movie is, of course, based off the you know TV show Firefly. So it only makes sense to have them come back and reprising their roles. And now we have Summer Glau as River. And 
really, she's also another TV person. And right now, the thing that she's in that most people would recognize by name, at least, is Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, as Cameron Phillips. I have not seen this show at all yet. It's on my to-watch list at some point. It gets good thumbs up for me. <laughs> and if, she was also an angel in 2002, but only in one episode. So... Someone got bit. <laughs> uh, she was just a prima ballerina. You know, it sounds like it was a bit part at best. And... Yeah. But again, we're show, you know we're seeing kind of this repeating pattern in the car- cast and crew that they've done quite a bit of work for most of them with Joss Whedon before coming over and doing Firefly, the TV show, or the movie. And now we've got Ron Glass as Shepard Book. Which all you have for him, basically, is Fable 2 as Garth. Yeah. Now he has. This is another person who is a heavy, heavy TV person. And if you go way, way back in his history, and you're an older person listening to this show, you may recognize him from the TV show Barney Miller, which it appears he was in almost every episode of. So, with all of this laid out, do you have any comments before? You Not have yet. actually, you have never even seen the TV show or this movie, nope, have you? I have this is a total shock to me. Now, I have to say, I have seen this movie several times. I own the TV series, too. And this is, this is a show that could have achieved greatness and really could have taught George Lucas how he should have done Star Wars 1, 2, and 3. And I'm not talking about the original three that were the good three. (laughs) So, Lucas, wake up, talk to Whedon, find out how to do a movie nowadays. Stop remaking and trashing your old stuff. (laughs) Yep. With that, I think that's kind of... I kind of think it's kind of funny. I'm not really much of a movie watcher, per se, but when you get engaged to him, you got to start watching your movies. (laughs) Other than that, I have nothing else to say. All right, folks. Well, I think we'll wrap it there, and we'll come back after the movie. All right, everyone, and we're back after the movie. Yes. Let's start off with a brief... Real quick, brief thoughts on it, not breaking down anything. But we'll start with Dragon's Angel. What do you have to say, my dear? Personally, I've never seen this movie before, so I thought it was going to be an interesting look. It's an awesome thing between sci-fi, like this is like this really super sci-fi stuff I normally don't watch. This kind of stuff in Lord of the Rings, I normally try to stay away from. But for some reason, I like this a lot. It had lots of guns, explosions, and really, really spontaneous, very... Funny word usage on some throughout some of the parts. It just seemed a good movie overall, from my opinion. Now, would you agree that there's? Now you haven't seen the TV show, so this Granted. wouldn't stick out as much to you, perhaps. But would you agree that there seems to be kind of an interesting cross of technology here? Actually, yes. The lead character is running around what looks like a revolver almost, mm-hmm. and Jane is running around with fully automatic weapons and grenades. Exactly. That and I do find interesting, but is that maybe they got out of a pawn shop? You know, and this giant missive. This thing's an old. Like an no, you have to think about 
that you almost have to think about the universe they're in as the wild of America back during the Wild West days. That if you went to, you know, out west, you got low tech revolvers, kind of grungy. But if you went back to the East Coast, it was much more advanced, a little more civilized. And we're click, click, boom. As to course saliva. <laughs> yeah. So, would you agree that it's kind of like that, but you put it on a more universal scale? Yeah, I agree it's a bit more like that. Just thanks first that I understand why that's how it came about. All right. Now, the opening scene we've got. Let's start with... Okay, opening scene. Little girl named River, correct? She was sitting, she's sitting in this little, like a, I don't know, egg-shaped bubble thing. Well, actually, let's back up a little. You're just a little... A little too far ahead? A little too far ahead. First, it talks off, it shows, it's talking about the earth that was. And it's a woman's voice talking, and you see ships flying away from the earth. But it's not a blowing, glowing blue orb in the sky. It's kind of gray, dingy looking. Like the moon it is now. And it talks about the history of what happened to mankind leaving earth. How they found a new universe, started colonizing, doing a process called terraforming. Now, are you aware of what terraforming is? And no, I am not. It is taking a planet that is unsuitable for life and transforming it to be suitable for human-type life. Mm-hmm. Terraforming. Hmm. I see. And now we cut back to where it's a woman standing up talking in front of an entire classroom. But this is an outdoor classroom. All the kids are kneeling in front of these little desks with embedded computer monitors. Which would be fun, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, she's explaining that, you know, here in the inner planets we're all civilized and we're trying to bring it to the outside ones. But they're resisting. And she asks the question, why? Why are they resisting us? And that's when it cuts into her and that little egg. Nope. Yes, it's does. the little girl talking. Yeah, no, it's the little river. But she's not in an egg. She's sitting well, in the classroom with the rest of them. Next scene. That, but the little girl river sits there and says, Why "Because we meddle. Meddles? They don't want. They don't like it to meddle. No one likes it when we meddle." And the teacher kneels down to talk to her, and starts explaining, "We're not trying to teach anyone how to think or You're what to do." You just showed them the right way, is what she says. And she picks up the t- pencil and then rams it into her forehead. And then this is where it cuts to the scene I think you keep wanting to talk about. This is the, that's the basic scene I remember. I don't remember very much. My memory is trashed, as you know, almost if not the worst between both of us. Um, yeah. But she's like a little egg, and they have all these needles and pins inside her head and stuff. And River was apparently supposed to be some kind of agent of weaponish massive war thing. I really don't know how, how else to describe it. She was just basically an armed weapon, a human armed weapon. They were, first off, she's psychic, they explain at one point. Yes. And that they're subliminally training her, basically, to be a weapon. And they're all explaining this to a guy who's standing there holding us kind of a staff. And they even go on to say even key members of parliament have overlooked this. Mm-hmm. And they say that she is our most prodigal child. And in combat, she's the best we've ever seen. She has a gracefulness to it. At this point, the guy says, and she always did. 
She always did love to, to dance. dance. And then this guy. The guy looks over at him, kind of, what? Well, and a light bomb thing. The guy with the staff slams it on the ground as he's ducking down, and the end pops up. And laser. Yeah, this beam shoots out in a pulse around it. I would, you know, to go with a sci-fi explanation, I would imagine that this is a neural disruptor. Basically something that is meant, because of the level it hits, it shoots across all of their heads and their faces. So it's something that basically stuns and incapacitates. Yes. And they now make their escape, and they go up an elevator shaft, shaft where a ship flies over and a pan drops down. Yeah, and the pan drops down. They go up, they go up, they go up. Then you get another scene. You get something along the lines of... One thing I have to comment on about as they're going up the elevator shaft, whoever designed their security system is a fucktard. That's all there is to it. Because these laser grid, this laser grid starts shooting up floor by floor. Why are you going from the bottom up? If you're trying to prevent an escape from a maximum security system, wouldn't you want to go from the top down? And pardon the phone, you know, first time it happened, but... Fun, fun, fun. Exactly. But it's not a podcast until someone's phone rings at least once, so I guess we're now officially... This is now officially a podcast. Oh, yeah, my very first time, too. I feel so honored. And at this point, as they're starting to rise, it stops. And a guy walks through the scene. And this guy, this is where the cut scene... This is their escaping, the escape, but this is a different... It's a pre-cut scene. It looks like they're in the scene. This you, guy walks through it, and he's like, so, can you tell me how she escaped or something along the lines of that? And just goes back to tell all these other men, and he's telling one of them how it's really natural for the leader to fall on his own sword. Well, we're jumping a little bit, but you're hitting some important stuff. He walks through it, and people walk in. What are you doing here? What's your authorization? No one's... And the gentleman, it's a black gentleman, blue clothes, fairly nondescript compared to everything else everyone there's wearing. And he's, you know, I'm going to need to see your authorization. And he's, of course, very agreeable, very polite and nice. Puts his hand on a palm reader. And it's no name, no rank. I have neither. Just like this place, I don't exist. And he goes on, you know, to tell the guy, you have failed completely. Do you know what your sin is? Pride. That's what his sin was. Pride. And they go on to talk about the escape as it being madness. He's like, it was complete madness that Simon Tam would spend all his money, throw away a career, promising medical career. This guy's basically a prodigal medical student and surgeon. Mm -hmm. Throws it all away, and it's madness. And the operative, that's all we ever know him as, is madness. And it's a questioning kind of statement. He's like, no, look at him. This isn't madness. This is love. Something far more dangerous. And then he goes on to... Saying, you'll fall on your own sword. Where he just sticks the guy somehow, makes him fall over and go, come. All over sword. (laughs) And the whole time he's talking to... There's four people in the room. He said one of the ladies. Yeah, there's four people. The guy he was talking to who runs the facility 
two black suited agents who you get the idea they're security esque. He cuts them down and he nails the guy in the back in a nerve cluster, paralyzing him. And the whole time he you know, after that he talks to the woman and says, I'm gonna need information. Tells her what he needs and he walks in front of the guy, flips his hand on the sword so he's holding it in a reverse hold, kneels down and just holding it there. Guy falls on it, and he's, do not be ashamed. This is a good death. You've done good work here. And the guy just falls further down the blade and dies. Which would suck, honestly. Yeah. I mean, impalement is something I'd rather not have on my list of things to do. Yeah. But this is an old Japanese custom. Perhaps some others. No, seppu is not seppu You don't really fall on your own sword. You'd have you'd actually take a like a tanto, which is a really small and rife, and it would rip your rip open your organs, and the best friend would cut your head off. Yep. Now you, it would would be used your own uh, katana too, but you would wrap the blade so you could hold it and do the cut. Yep. And all it was required was to do the cut, spilling your organs, and then your friend could sever your head, sparing your life at that point. Mm-hmm. Sparing a horrible death. Now, the next scene we cut to, they're, um, we're on a ship. And they're, bur- they're doing an entry into the atmosphere. And something flies off, clangs off the, sh- you know glass or, you know, whatever it is that they can see through. He's like, was that just the front panel bumper? Or buffer? And And at this point, you know, we get into where they're talking, you know, the captain reaches over, grabs the intercom, and says, we're in for a bit of a bumpy ride after a little bit more of a conversation. A little bit of turbulence, and then explosion. And he goes... I love his honesty. I just love it. I, I mean... That's what one thing that people loved about this character is he's very straightforward. He doesn't pull punches. He's pretty much an ass, but he's a smart ass. Yeah. So he goes towards the back of the ship trying to get back towards the engine room because if they don't get some more power, they're toast. And on the way, he stops and talks to, you know, kind of gets sidetracked a little bit here and there. The first person we run into is Jane. And Jane is the weapons guy of the ship. And he's sitting there. He's got a couple guns and grenades. And they're like... Big, big, big rifle in his back with a massive magazine. And he's like, look, we don't need all this. I don't mean there to be shooting. He's like, look, what you mean for there to be and what is are not always the same thing. You know... There's just smart-ass yeah. comments flying back and forth. He's this like, movie, yeah, the, movie, just leave the grenades. You, leave the grenades. But lo and behold, they, they, get, they go get down there and... Um, we'll get to the that. Then he goes back and we run into Zoe. Zoe is the second in command of the ship. And, you know, he has a little conversation with her before going back. And as he's going back, you hear Zoe, we're just robbing the place. We're not occupying it. And obviously you can tell she's talking to Jane. (laughs) And then, you know, he talks to Kaylee, comes out of the engine room, but Kaylee says, as, you know, there's sparks flying, lights coming from wherever, she's like, everything's shiny, Captain, nothing to worry about here. Turns around, and there is Simon. 
Simon is the ship's doctor. You'll, you know, either you know this from the show or you'll find this out as we go. So I ain't killing anything for you. And he's like, ain't nothing to be afraid of. This ain't fear, you see. Well, with a face like yours, it'd be hard to tell. If this were fear, my eyes would probably be wider. You're not taking her. This whole conversation is centering around Simon's little sister, River. River. Which, River is kind of... River is the key character in this movie, at least. And he's talking about, you're not taking River, you're not taking her, I don't care. You know, you're not taking her, that's final. And the captain turns on his heels... I think if I ever hear the words that final come out of your mouth, it will be. <laughs> Which they go down into the medical lab. And the conversation continues. He's like, look, she's a reader. You know, she can help us stop there from being trouble. So, you know, little more conversation. They all load up onto this thing called a mule. Basically an anti-gravity conveyance of some nature. It's just kind of funky to look at, but fun. So they go to town, and one of the last comments made before they jet for town is the fact that, you know... Oh, what was it? Oh, yes, yes, here we go. That I'm not gonna... You know, if anything happens to her, I'd get very choked up. I promise, there might even be tears. (laughs) Which, again, you get more asinine comments. And they leave... And Kaylee says to Simon, he's going to take care of her. He always does. You know, he you know he watches after his own, basically. And they get there right about during the time of Sunday service. And the heist they're pulling is for the payroll department, basically, of a security force. Because, as they say, you know, the Alliance cannot practically send people to every place to enforce the law. True. So, they go, and, you know, they go in, and they just start shooting the place up. Not so much shooting. They fire off a couple of rounds so they can, you know, get everyone's attention. Um, yeah, fire off lots of rounds. Guns, 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 go boom, boom, boom. Uh, just a few rounds, and he's like, look, everyone should just be looking at their belly buttons. Anyone who looks up, their will, violence will ensue. And Jace is back at the vault saying, ah, it's locked. And, you know, they, and then in walks River, and she's walking in barefoot very gracefully, and she just kind of stands there for a moment before pointing at one guy. She she read a guy's mind, because this guy is sitting on his belly, starts to pull out his little gun. And then click right by his ear. You know, he'd been pointed out. And Zoe at this point says, do you know what the definition of a hero is? A hero is someone who gets people dead. Exactly. And he throws it off to the side. Well, they open the vault and look in, and we're talking small change for, you know, flying a ship all the way out here to rob it. Well, Mal looks looks at it, reaches up, and pops a switch. Yay, good job. Pops a switch, and everything is noticed. Yep, the vault slides back. And there's just more. (laughs) Sorry. There's just more and more of it. And you kind of see more along with what this little vault had portrayed. It's not just small change. There is another two panels, I think there is. Another two panels full money. Yep. Now, you hear a voice. 
you know, they say, we're coming down to clear that out. And he's like, what's your authorization? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, they all, you know, they cut to, they're down there, and Mal is talking to the guy who was down there saying, look, I was thinking a leg shot. You know, make him look like he put up a fight, nothing vital, a little bit of bleeding, some pain, nothing really bad. Guy's like, you know, I was thinking more of a crazy. He's like, no, no, you don't want to do that. You want to make, don't want to make it look like you just gave up. This is just hilarious. He's sitting there, doesn't want to hurt the guy, but, the but guy... give the guy an out so it doesn't look like he just gave up and surrendered. Now, Shoot in the foot. <laughs> at this point, River starts going off the deep end. She starts freaking out because guess who's coming? Reavers. Now, Reavers. we're not going to really talk about Reavers much other than I'm going to reference the a game. bit of an explanation that came out of the TV show that Reavers will kill you, eat you, and rape you, and if you're lucky, they'll do it in that order. So wouldn't they the, bug wait, out. Wouldn't it be kill you, rape you, then eat you? If we eat you, it's rape. It's the Reavers. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> but anyway, so they, you know, they bug out, and one guy comes running out. You can't leave me, you can't leave me, you gotta be. Mal's like, get back in the vault with everyone else. Pushes them off, and they bug out. And right as they start to go, two Reavers fall on them. Now, Reavers, from what you can tell right now, are humanoid, at least. Mm -hmm. And Mal turns around and just fires off one shot right into the guy's chest, dropping him. Sparing him... From the pain. Whatever's going to happen to him. And they jet with a ship in pursuit. Now, this is probably one of the best chase scenes I've ever seen in any movie. And you've got, you know, a spaceship tailing an anti-grav sled, basically. And they're just booking for it. And they call up Walsh, who <laughs> is the pilot of the, Serenity. Yeah. It's like, we got Reavers behind us. And he switches on the intercom. We've got Reavers fired up to Kaylee, the engineer. Kaylee's cool. Because <laughs> she's a little quirky. <laughs> Kaylee's a very interesting character, to say the least. So, you know, they're coming up. And they're just booking along this flat. And, you know... Shots are exchanged, fired. We're not going to blow too much here. So, but they do manage to clip a boulder, sending chunks of it into the ship, getting it off their ass for a moment. Now, in comes Serenity as they whip around 180 degrees. Drops his chunk. (laughs) Basically doing a barn, what I believe they call a barn swallow, where Serenity's moving, it's moving, they just... Fly it right up there. And let's drop and or run right into the back. Yep. Chip. And, of course, there's also... A, re- a reaver manages to get up in there with them, too. And it pops up, and Mal just, bam, again. This is a guy who is a, a man of little words sometimes, but very decisive action. When he sets his mind, he's going to do something, yeah, it gets done. It gets done to the T. All right. Now, what's the next scene that sticks out to you at this point? Next thing that sticks out to me is actually closer to the end when they arrived on this planet. Well, we're jumping I way. Know, that's the next thing that goes out to me. We're right? jumping way too far up. But you at that told point. me. Anyways, okay, let's backtrack <laughs> a little here. A little. Three quarters of the movie back. They're on the ship, and Jace is having 
or Jane is having a conversation with Kaylee about he doesn't understand how people go so bad. You know, killing, raping, eating people. I mean, eating people, how's that fun? I mean, I'll kill people. I'll kill people if I, the, if it's a fair fight. If it's a man, I think he's going to start a fair fight. Or if there's a woman. Or if I'm being paid. Especially if I'm being paid. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's the funniest scene. And or how about the part where she says, I ate a bug right after they got I, yeah, we've, I have almost left that out. Yeah. River, they're coming back on to the Serenity on the backdrop. And Simon comes running down like, and he okay? ignores everyone else, comes running up to the mule. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? To, si- to River. River. And she yes. just looks up, all sweet, cute, and innocent. I eat a bug. <laughs> I mean, it just, it had us both giggling. Oh, it was good. So, and that's when they mention, you know, Kaylee mentions Shepherd, Shepherd Book, that, you know, man got out there and he saw too much and went crazy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they eventually, they go to exchange the money for clean money. Basically, kind of a money laundering operation where you bring us a lot of money, we take a percentage, and because of an altercation between Mal and Simon, Simon decides him and River are going to leave the boat. They're done. He's done with it. Done with all the stressors of Little River. Yep. Now they get down into the bar, and they start talking business, and instantly, this is kind of interesting, that... Minty and Fango, or something like that. I forget their names exactly, but they're twins. And, you know, they're like, he's in, he's like, no, no, that one's this, you know, whichever. He's like, how'd you know? Because he's, you know, he's He's prettier. (laughs) And the one twin kind of smirks, and they wander off and start talking business. Well, in walks River, and she just kind of looks up at the TV... And the lighting it. changes. It goes from the normal lighting to kind of a... Dim. Pure... No. Kind of a... Like it there's is. a blue filter over everything. I know. It's dim blue. Yeah, but the whole screen. Not just the lighting. The whole screen goes that blue. Mm-hmm. And she just looks at it for a moment, and then one word comes out of her mouth. Miranda. And then, oh my god, River goes apeshit. She, goes she whips the ass... Everyone in there. <laughs> Picture a little 17, 90, 90 pound girl here, kind of pulling all this crazy kung fu shit on everybody. Like, no man is safe. I mean, put a 400 pound guy in front of her, he's down in five seconds. She she manages to knock Jane out. Yeah, and Jane's like the, the most big dude. Jane dude. is like six, you know, you get the feeling he's supposed to be like 6'6", six, six, kind of a hulking guy. A little 90 pound girl knocks him out with a serving tray. Yeah, it's like, come on. And the whole time, Mal is sprinting up to get his gun. And as soon as he whips it out, River pops hers up. Simon charges in, says some form of gibberish, which, you know... It's Chinese, but... Actually, it's Russian. I didn't pick up the Russian. I speak Russian. It's actually a Russian comment that he says that Hmm. I've got... I don't think I got the note written down, but it's something like... Some bizarreness about the hen. I don't and she falls down. Just drops cold. And they take her and sprint out of there. 
Well, a lot of conversation. You're like, we're flying blinder than we normally do. We need to get some help. We need to talk to Mr. Universe. Now, this is a kooky character. He is hacker o extraordinaire. That lives in a like some kind of storm cloud in outer space with a like um, a doll. A sex android. A sex android. Thank you. Well, this little sex android in the end is sort of very very helpful to the story, yep. but just kind of stood there and is like. Well, she, she lives a Barbie look. Really, this is what Barbies would really look like if they were life. Yeah. So, Mister Universe is definitely an interesting character. Yeah. So we move forward from there. And they throw River into basically the storage area for the food. Locks her down. She manages to break out and gets to the bridge. And when she gets there, she's not even looking. She's just typing away one-handed on the screen as Mal walks in. And she just, before he even brings his gun up and he... And there's a whole conversation that breaks out here that's well worth listening to, where he says, look, I'm will, you know, I told them all that I think you're a person. You know, but the operative says you're not. You're just dangerous. You, you know, you're a risk. I don't think that's true. I'm just taking my entire life screw on this. Yeah. Now, they sit there, and they pan, you know, pan in on the screen, and she, you know, looks back, Miranda. Well, we come to find out that Miranda is a planet that doesn't exist in any records. The only thing is Kaylee can vaguely remember mention that they were looking for settlers to go there and help set up the colony. That's that's the only thing anyone knows about it. But sadly, things went apeshit there, where they tried to create a utopia. We'll get there. Ah. They go to Haven because Mal wants the advice of one person, the person he always wants advice from, Shepard Book. But they get there, and the place has been demolished. Everyone's been shot. Only survivor barely is Shepard. And, you know, kind of one of the funny things that happens here is, at, you know, with Shepard's dying, you know, saying he what he did, well, Mal goes, you know, it should have been me. Yes, and yeah, Shepard looks up at him and says... Yeah, you should have. <laughs> the thought crossed my mind. Well, they go on from there, and Mal comes out. He is pissed. He's hot. He throws down a coil rope, string up five or six of these bodies. I want it on the nose of the ship. I want, you know, you and you to, you know, mount this gun, which is a World War II German flat cannon. Boom. And mount it to the top of the ship. And they all start, you know... We we can't do this. He's, you know, we, you aren't thinking about doing a suicidal run through reverse space to get to this planet. And he's like, look, I plan to get there. There's information there. They don't want out. We're getting it. So anyone who is, the next word I hear out of anyone's mouth that is not helping me or saying their goodbyes, I shoot. Yeah. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. So now they're, you know, the next scene... We see, you know, skeletons, scorched skeletons strapped to the front of the ship. But the rope still holds. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of one of those, what? What? Oh my god, like what the heck? And they fly through the reaver space, and everyone's on edge, and they're twitching at every single thing, but they make it through fine. 
and get to Miranda, where they land. And here's where the whole crux of everything comes out. We're not even going to explain to you what happened, because that, that would ex- just blow a major plot point if we tell you yeah, what happened. Yeah, that would. We should be nice. Why don't want... we have to square them to watch the movie? Yeah. So, but we'll go back to they leave with the information mm-hmm. they came for, and they're flying back through reverse space. And they... Zoe and Walsh are in the cabin, and they're talking to the captain, but you're not quite sure where he is because, you know, you can tell it's, you know, over the intercom system or, you know, something like that. And, you know, the communication for the captain is, are we almost out? Well, there's one ship that's starting to come up, and it looks like it's got these big scissor kind of things meant for cutting a ship in space in half. Well, all of a sudden, you hear the captain yell, Now! The sh- they've got the gun mounted on top of the ship, they swing it over directly at the ship, and this is where I call bullshit. I don't know that much about ballistic weapons, but I'm pretty sure most of them need atmosphere of some nature to work. <laughs> True. They blow up a reaver ship and then just kick it into overdrive. Yeah, so they need air and fire to fire for the air, because fire cannot really exist, that's such an atmosphere. Yeah, but they just haul ass out of there. And they are, you know, all of a sudden, all the engines ah! on every reaver ship fires up and gives pursuit. They all start hunting down. Like, you know when you swat a bee in the bee's nest? All the bees want to come at you. Yep. So, you know, they're... Now, the next scene we talk about, really, is we see all these Alliance ships between the Ion, ion Cloud and the planet that Mr. Universe is on. And they're all just lined up, and here comes Serenity out of the cloud. And the operative's like, Cra- you know, crazy bastard isn't even changing course. And, you know, he's smug and arrogant that they're, you and know. This is just coming out from this little bitty ship. Then, without further ado, every living ship that had Every all- Goram Reaver ship busts out of the ion oh cloud. Oh, Boom. And he just starts, oh my god, aim for the Reavers! <coughs> Every gun on the reaver. God, why won't someone fire? I know. And he runs off the deck. And the whole time Walsh is sitting there flying, he's just saying, I am a, you know, I am a leaf on the wind. Watch how I fly. Exactly. I'm a leaf on the wind. Watch how I fly. And I've got to say, you know, whereas earlier was one of the best chase scenes I've ever seen, this has got to be one of the best flight scenes I have ever seen of a ship zipping through a massive outer space firefight. And to make it even better, this is a cargo ship. This thing has no weapons except for the one thing on top of it. And that's not even a permanent part of it. Yeah. So that's absolutely hysterical to me. That mm-hmm. you know. So they break through the atmosphere and they get hit with an EMP pulse. And this is where shit starts to go sideways. But as they're, you know, they lose all power and they're falling. And this is where I've got to give Jane credit. Jane is normally one of these bastards who's all about me, 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 me. Me first. Screw y'all. Yeah, and instead, he pulls off 
good looks and every person on that on the system. Every person well, on the ship goes except for the people who are up in the cockpit. The, yeah, but everyone who's not in the cockpit goes around and checks their seat belts, checks their belts, make sure they latch down. Yep. Which is just an incredible scene to see out of Jane of all people. Huh? And they managed to land. If you want to call it a landing. It would be more like, you know, trying to put a Boeing 747 into the Hudson River. No, I think it's more along the lines of a grape on a highway. It's dropping uh, no, skin down a, a there's a reason I talk about the Boeing 747 in the Hudson River. Remember a couple weeks ago, the story? News story where the pilot lands a... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, they land, and news. all of a sudden, wham! Something pierces through the cockpit, killing Walsh. And you realize really quickly the Reavers are in there, too. So they run, you know, they get off the ship and they find a place where they can mount a good defense. You know, mm-hmm. and Zoe tells the captain, go, do it. You know, go. it's more important to get this. We'll hold them off while you get the information out. Mm-hmm. And now the one of the last things we'll talk about before we go, before we wrap up for the day is Simon and Kaylee start talking. And Simon's you know, like, you know, I'm, you know, I spent so much time, you know, worrying about River on that ship. You know, putting her my first priority, I never got to, you know, anything I wanted. Like, oh, you, being with you. Yeah. And I, she kind of, you mean, like, sex? Sex? He looks up, I mean to be saying. And she's like, screw this, I'm going to be livid! <laughs> I know! Now, one thing she said earlier that we've completely left out is, at one point, she actually looks up and says, I haven't had nothing near my nether regions that weren't run on batteries for a year. The captain's like, I don't need to be knowing that. And Jane's like, I could be using to hear a little more of this. <laughs> so, at this point... I think we're going to pretty much wrap up because we're at the, you know, coming towards the last little bit, and we don't want to, we don't like to spoil too much the ending. The rest of it, eh. Yeah. All right. Now, any final thoughts on this movie as a whole? Mm, Movie I thought was entertaining. It kept me occupied. Most of my bad, bad, bad case of ADD. So, about 90 to 75% of the time, I was actually focused, which is good. Now, I've got to say, this movie is a sci-fi western. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of the way some of the shots are actually shot with a shaky cam. And said and by shaky cam I mean they aren't ma- mounted so everything's 100% perfect crystal clear seeing how it's all going. Yeah. The camera shakes. And this is very reminiscent of the old sci-fi or the old westerns how they would sh- do it. Yeah. You know, it's a very unique story you have going on here. And there's very interesting crosses of culture going on where every time someone's swearing, they break out into Chinese. You'll have to watch the series to understand the whys of that, people. (laughs) Now, I paid $9 for this movie. Brand new. And that seems to still be the relative going price. Now, out of $9, what do you think this movie was worth to you, Dragon's Angel? Mm. Uh, that's a really hard call. Um, it, I give props that kept my attention span most of the time. So I, I can definitely see it to be above a six. But as for the funny parts in the movie that just made me laugh for no apparent reason, 
I honestly would like to give it like an eight eight fifty. I have. I've seen better movies, but I'd like to give it an eight fifty, considering all that was in it. Yep, I have to give this one an eight seventy five. I'm knocking it a quarter out of the nine that I paid for it for the DVD menus itself. Because you get in, the opening menu is really nice, well animated, but any sub-menu you go to is very static, very boring. It's one of those, it's that little touch that they left out at the end that, why? You have something that's so good up to this point and you just screw it up right then and there. Exactly. Alright, well, everyone, I think that pretty much wraps up the show. I would like to remind you that we now have a store up on the site where you can purchase any one of the movies we have we have purchased previously. So, any last words? Nope. None. Nine. Yet. EA. Oh, what other words can I say? No win. <laughs> ah, Alright, folks. Well, thank you for listening. Stay subscribed, and we'll be back with more soon. You know what the first rule of flying is? Above. You're listening to The Signal. Well, we hope you are. We're back with Season 5. Shiny. Must be bad guys. Could be bumpy. Always is. Oh, God. Oh, God. And this year... We're going further than we ever have before. To bring you the best articles... Interviews... News... And reviews from in and around the world of Joss Whedon's Firefly and Serenity... I love this ship. I have from the first moment I saw it. What you care about is the ships, and mine's the nicest. It's love, in point of fact. She loves this ship. If you love Firefly, you need to listen to The Signal. With new writers, new ideas, new content. And loads of your favorite regular segments. Helping to keep Firefly and Serenity alive in the hearts of browncoats everywhere. Hold. Hold till I get back. Oh, with this, I'm going to live. The Signal. Still flying in 2009. Join us at www.serenityfirefly.com. We're still flying. That's not much. It's enough. The Signal. Season 5. What was that? Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by Caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.